The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast are presented by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast. Network. It is currently early Saturday afternoon, May 27th. And I'm Rose, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. And it should be a very fun one, and it's a very important one. It's one of the most important episodes of the year because it is, is officially time to preview and give out outright picks for the French Open. So we have the second Grand Slam event of the year, and it's time to preview it. So I'm looking forward to it. But before I get into any of the previews, I do want to discuss the overall schedule for this episode. So starting off with the usual, we're going to do the recap where we talk about what happened last episode. Then we're going to go through the outrights, but we are going to go through a pretty interesting order. We're going to talk about the overall odds for the winner Not all of them, though. In fact, we're only going to focus on the first couple of favorites, just so you get a read on what the odds makers expect to happen in this event. Then we're going to go through the actual quarter odds, and then we're going to talk about the, uh, once again, outrights to win the whole event. So we're going to briefly mention the landscape of the odds to win the whole thing. Then we're going to deep dive the quarter. Then we're going to deep dive the actual outrights to win the entire event. Simply put, you got to walk before you can actually run, and I figure it makes more sense to talk about who has a shot to actually make the semis first, baby steps, and then work our way into who we're picking to win the entire event. So I got to at least talk about the elephant in the room for the French Open, which is a relatively open field because, once again, Nadal is not playing. He's going to be out indefinitely, and as a result, somebody else has a chance to actually win this event. It does not happen in a while, but either way... Nadal is not here, and even though tennis fans are really upset by it because they want to see if Nadal could potentially win it again, tennis players around tour have to be somewhat relieved because Nadal has been the ultimate boogeyman in this event, and nobody can ever beat him. So with him being out of the equation, it does open up an opportunity for some players to win potentially their second Grand Slam. If you are Alcaraz or if you are Medvedev, or maybe you're looking for your first, your long-awaited first, you are, for example, a Tsitsipas, or maybe you're a Casper Ruud, and you got tired of being the bridesmaid last year. If you are Sinner, if you are Rune, there are a couple of guys here who have a decent chance to potentially win their mating Grand Slam, but there are a couple of guys as well who, once again, Alcaraz and Medvedev can win their second. But anyway, I'll mention the odds later. I did want to briefly discuss that, just to remind everybody that Nadal's not actually here. So if you were going to take a long shot to win the French Open... This might be your year to do so, because every other year you've been doing it, you've been basically burning money. But now you might have an actual shot at it. So once again, we'll talk about that in a little while, but wanted to discuss that idea or at least the landscape of the event briefly. But wanted to get into the recap of yesterday's episode. And overall, we did pretty well in Lyon and Geneva. So starter for starters, we won the lock. We had Jari Moneyline at minus 125 against Dimitrov. We thought Dimitrov, with his older age and with the amount of marathon matches he's been in, just to reach the final, he'd run out of gas. And also, I like the way Jari was playing. And Jari ended up winning. Really a tale of two sets. Dimitrov ended up going to a breaker in the first set, had a couple of unforced errors in that breaker, and Jari ran away with it. And then immediately, Dimitrov fell apart in the second set. And I believe Jari went up 4 nothing, and he ended up burying him 6-1 in the final set. So overall, really, really easy uh, winner for us on the lock portion. For the dog, though, dead wrong. We had Sarundalo, a minus four and a half games, a plus 110 against Phils. We knew Phils was the teen phenom from France trying to win his first ATP title in his home country, but he was cramping pretty badly in that marathon match against Nakashima, and then he got through it. But I was concerned about his overall, uh, let's say, fitness level against Sarundalo, who had completely dominated Nori in the semis of that event. So I thought that with the rest advantage, or at least the significantly less time on court, Sarundalo would take advantage of it, and he did not. Phil's looked really good, dominated most of the match, and ended up winning in straight sets. So we were dead wrong on the dog, but we were 100% right on the lock. So split those, but to get into the reason why Saturday was a great card for us, to go all the way back to the outright episode, we gave out Jari to win in Geneva at 11-1. to 1. So cash the plus 1,100 bet for us felt good. That's kind of the perks of potentially waiting after day one of a tournament because you might not have taken Jari in the initial 
I'd say, odds. But once you saw him destroy Lahovich, or once I saw him destroy Lahovich, I knew I had to have a piece uh, at 11 to 1 because he dominated a, a very good clay player who was in good form. Lahovich just won an ATP title about a month ago. And Jari took him behind the woodshed. He absolutely buried him. And at that point, I knew that Rude would be a difficult battle for him. But I wanted Rude and I wanted Jari because I thought whoever won that match would win the event. And Jari did. So cash the 11 to 1 outright for us. First outright in a while uh, at a very nice plus price. So hopefully that is a good omen for the French Open. But a good overall Saturday for us. Let's keep it rolling here for the French Open. And now we're going to segue into the official preview for the outrights in the French Open. So starting off with the odds. And now I mentioned before, it's basically a two-horse race uh, based on where the odds are located. But Alcaraz is plus 160. Djokovic is plus 250. Rune is 9-1. to one, And Medvedev is 10-1. to one. So I'm going to focus on those four guys first, then do the quarters, and then get back into the outrights once again for the whole thing. Alcaraz being the favorite and Djokovic being the second favorite sounds right. Alcaraz has been in great form. He's been really, really good all year. And Djokovic, despite being the Australian Open champion and being a two-time French Open winner, he has struggled a bit on clay this year. So it does make sense that he's, uh, I'd say, a... I don't, I don't call him an underdog to Alcaraz, but he kind of is, because if they were playing against each other, I do think Alcaraz would be favored slightly. Probably minus 110 apiece, but maybe minus 115, minus 120. But the point is, I do think Alcaraz should be favored in this event. Djokovic should be second. I'll mention if I'm going to get into any of those outrights in terms of betting later on, but I wanted to at least bring it up that according to the odds makers, with Nadal being out, it's basically a two-horse race between Alcaraz and Djokovic. I'll mention if I agree with that in a second, but the point is... I wanted to mention the odds, so if you want to take Djokovic to continue his push for the calendar Grand Slam, that's plus 250. Alcaraz a plus 160, I think, is reasonable. But once again, you're backing a guy who's never won the French Open before uh, at plus 160 does seem a bit dangerous. But that's going to do it for the brief discussion for the favorites. Rune and Medvedev, they've been really good on clay this year. Medvedev did win in Rome, so he won a Masters 1000 event. His odds were around plus 2,000 a week and a half ago. Now they're cut in half at around 10 to 1. You could occasionally find a 12 to 1. But the point is, it does seem like Medvedev is the popular dark horse candidate to win this event because he was brutal on clay in the past, and now he's randomly really good on clay. And Rune, once again, made the quarters last year. Very good clay player. And you can make an argument for him as well. But that's going to do it for the brief discussion of the favorites for the French Open. Now we're going to transition over into the actual quarters. So we're going to go in order, starting with the first quarter, then working our way down to the fourth quarter. And then once again, we will go back to the actual outrights to win the event. But I wanted to at least give everybody a breakdown of the quarters because that tells you how safe a player's run is going to be reaching the semis or at least how many potential long shots there might be in a particular region so you know where to go for some long shots to win the whole thing. So we're going to start off with the first quarter. You have Alcaraz as the massive favorite at around minus 250. Do I agree with it? Of course I do. I'm not going to make a case for anybody else really in this region. Uh, there is a minus 175 in BetMGM though. So you can save 75 cents by shopping around. So once again, shop your lines. So Minus 175 on Alcaraz. That I actually might go to the window for. Minus 250, I'm not going to. 170, though, uh, 175, that's pretty generous. I do like that a lot. Now, Sitsipas is the second favorite at plus 400. Musetti is the third favorite at around 14 to 1. Then you have Felix at 16 to 1. Nori at 20 to 1. Korda, shout out to him for being back at 35 to 1. And I'm not going to waste anybody else's time. Alcaraz is going to win the quarter. I'm once again not going to waste anybody's time. You could argue maybe Musetti or Sitsipas. Now, Alcaraz does have to beat Musetti and Sitsipas, but Musetti we know is very good on clay some of the time. Other times he's a head case, but when he's on, he's really good, and he was able to beat Alcaraz last year in ATP final. I believe that was in Hamburg. But the point is, Musetti, I'm not picking. I think he's too volatile. Felix, no chance. He's been awful this year, or at least for his standards, been underwhelming. And he retired, or I should say withdrew from a match at last tournament because of a shoulder injury. So I'm a little bit on the fence. And I actually think he might be on upset award in the first round against Fagnini. So we'll see how he does there. Nori, I'm not touching. I think that he's a good clay player. We saw him beat Alcaraz earlier this year. Alcaraz was at roughly 50% health, and it still went to a marathon third set. But 
I'm not sold on Nori. Simply put, the serve isn't there. And when he's not going to win any three points on a serve, especially on clay, I have some concerns about some unforced errors over the course of a long match. And he doesn't have much firepower, so I think he's going to lose. But simply put, I think you're going to see Alcaraz probably against Sitsipas in the quarters. But I think Sitsipas is always susceptible to getting upset. Alcaraz, though, he's just the best player in this quarter by a wide margin. And I think at 175, I'm going to take it. I'm not giving out anybody else. Uh, I don't see any value. If you want to make a case for Zapata Marais at 50 to 1, I'm rooting for you. Can't be me, but I'm rooting for you. But anyway, that's going to do it for the short breakdown of the first quarter. I promise the other quarters will be longer. So Djokovic's favorite to win the second quarter at around minus 225. At least that's what I see on DraftKings. Shopping around, it is minus 160. So once again, shop your lines because you saved roughly 60 cents uh, just by the first two quarters. Uh, comparing the favorite to win the quarter, and I look through two books. So once again, shop around. But Djokovic at minus 160. Rublev is at plus 650. Kashanov is plus 1,200. You have Batista Agut at 1,800. Uh, besides that, you have Warenka at 18 to 1. You have Fakina at 20 to 1. Herkaz at 20 to 1. Umber at 22 to 1. Sonigo at 25 to 1. And that's basically it. So for starters, I got to mention Djokovic who I mentioned before is the second favorite to win the event. He has made the quarters minimum in each of the last 13 French Opens. So he's been a sustainable option to make the quarters. And then after that, you might be on your own. But the issue with Djokovic isn't even based on his current form. It's kind of connected to the current form. It's the injury to his either elbow or arm because he's been battling the injury while using an arm sleeve in a couple of matches and he has not looked that sharp. Lost to Musetti. Got taken to three sets against Van Asha. Ended up losing to Lahovic. He's kind of been all over the place. Lost to Rune in three. But the point is, Djokovic, I do think, will win the quarter. But I want to at least discuss some potential long shots here. Because the issue with the Alcaraz quarter was really just talent. I didn't see many guys that I could envision winning a bunch of rounds and pulling off some upsets to potentially make a deep run in the event. And I do think you can make an argument that is a little bit different in this event, or at least in this quarter. I do think you can make a case for maybe a Kashanov, which I think is pretty tempting. And I think if you want to talk about the overall odds for Kashanov, where he really can showcase some really just solid skill, and he has a very favorable draw early in this event, I do think there's a little bit of value actually on Kashanov at around 12 to 1, because I'm going to read off his potential pathway. And you could stop me if you think that there's somebody who can really give him a serious run or Kashanov's really on upset alert in the first couple of rounds. Facing Les Tien in the first round, he's roughly minus 6,000. So Les Tien has battled injuries, and I know he's a Frenchman, but Kashanov should kill him. Then he's going to face off against either Kipson or Albert. I'm assuming Kashanov wins that comfortably. Then either Warenka, Ramos Vinolas, Kokonakis, or Evans. I'm assuming Evans, maybe Warenka, but the point is Kashanov will be a pretty decent favorite in that event, in that match too. So you're already in the fourth round. So that's a pretty decent pathway early on. And then in that fourth round, he would face off against probably Rublev. But Rublev has an interesting path too. Facing Dejir in the first round isn't easy. I'm not saying that Rublev's going to lose, but Dejir has been good on clay so far this year. That could be interesting. Then he should be able to beat Mutet or Kazakhs. So I do think that I might have butchered that pronunciation. It might be Kazoo. I'm not totally sure, to be honest, but I do think that you're going to see Rublev make it into the third round. Then he's facing either Shelton, Sonigo, Manorino, or Umber. I think Rublev should get there. But once again, I think it's pretty difficult, at least comparing the two guys. I think Kashanov has a has an easier draw than Rublev does to at least get to the head-to-head uh, matchup there. And I want to pull up the head-to-head matchups between those two players because they've faced off a decent amount since they are both Russian. But Kashanov has been pretty good against Rublev historically, so I do think there's some value there. But Kashanov in the head-to-head is actually 3-2. and two. And to go through the recent meetings, they faced off on clay this year in Madrid, and Kashanov beat him 7-6-6-4. So they faced off twice on clay this year, actually. Faced off in Monaco. And you saw Rublev win 7-6-6-2. You saw them face off in Madrid, and Kashanov got revenge, winning 7-6-6-4. But the first that went to a breaker in both matches, and each guy won a clay match. So it might be up in the air. But I do think Kashanov has some has some legs here 
at 12 to 1. If and only if you think that Djokovic's arm is going to act up again and he'll be well below 100%. But I got to at least mention Djokovic's quarter. Uh, at least his path for the quarter, because it is quite favorable. And I'm going to be fully honest with it. So I think Djokovic probably wins the quarter once again, but I'm not going to really make an argument against taking a 12 to 1 long shot there to win the quarter. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But Kashanov occasionally is, well, I'd, I'd say he's pretty well known around tennis circles for putting his best efforts forward in Grand Slam events. He's really not that great. In like 250s or 500s, or I know he had the dream run to win a Masters 1000 event a couple years ago. But the point is, he's mostly a Grand Slam tennis player, made the semis in the Australian Open, made the semis in the uh, US Open last year. He's a big match guy, at least for at least to a point. He's not the kind of guy who's going to upset somebody in the semis, but he can get you to the semis. And I do think with his history of making deep runs in Grand Slams, 12 to 1, I do like. Now, Rublev, I'm a bit out on. He was very good about a month or two ago. Recently, a bit more up in the air, but I'm a bit more concerned with the overall value here at plus 650 because he'd have to beat Kashanov and Djokovic. I'm not interested at 650. I'm only taking Kashanov at 12 to 1 solely on the premise that Djokovic might be compromised physically and I'll take a flyer. But if Djokovic is healthy, he's going to beat everybody. So I think Djokovic wins the quarter. I'll give him out once again at minus 160. And I will go with Kashanov as my long shot here at 12 to 1. If you want to take a flyer on Warenka or Fakina, I'm rooting for you. Fakina, I thought about actually because I do think his talent is undeniable on clay. The issue is he's a bit of a choker, and he blows a lot of matches that he's winning. But he's in Djokovic's initial uh, region there. Uh, So he's going to have to face off against Djokovic relatively early in the round of 32. And if that's the case, I'm not picking you. I think that if if I'm going to pick a long shot, I want someone that can avoid Djokovic as long as possible until Djokovic is maybe compromised physically and is going to be well below 100%. Early in this event, I expect Djokovic to bury people, and I think that as a result, Fakina might be on the might be in the uh, pathway, or I should say, the train tracks of Djokovic. And I think because of that, Djokovic should be able to uh, get, uh, I'd say, a pretty easy win against Fakina. Maybe Fakina takes a set, but if Fakina was in the other section, maybe I consider it. But I'm not interested. Herkaz is a solid player in terms of ranking. He goes to breakers all the time, but he's not going to be Djokovic. He probably won't be Rublev, probably won't be Kashanov. So I'm not interested. That's it for this section for me. Give me Djokovic and give me Kashanov, and those are going to be my two picks for the second quarter. And moving on to the third quarter, you have Rune at plus 140. You have Rude at plus 300. Fritz at plus 900. Sarandolo at 12 to 1. Jari at 14 to 1. Baez at, 20, at uh, 18 to 1. You have Kekmanovic at tw- at twenty to one, Struff at twenty to one, Tommy Paul at twenty two to one, uh, Dzanchulp at twenty five to one, Lahovic at thirty five to one. I'll stop there. Do I think anybody besides the top three in Rune, Rude, and Fritz are actually going to win this quarter? Probably not. But there are a couple of really good long shot candidates, and they're pretty identical in terms of play style. And of course, I'm talking about Jari and I'm talking about Struff because Struff made the final in a Masters 1000 event. And I know Jari just won an event on Saturday. So fatigue could be a bit of an issue, but his his play style can really give players problems. And him and Struff are kind of in the same boat. They can come to the net. They have big serves, good forehands, and they are able to really, really pressure their opponents into making very difficult passing shots because they try to shorten the rallies. Now, the problem is they're going to be in a collision course or on a collision course to face off in the, uh, sorry, just pulling it up, in the round of 16. So one of these guys will lose because they're against each other. And as a result, you might have to hope your Cinderella can hold on for a couple of rounds there. But the initial path for both guys, really not bad. Struff's opening match, not great. Matchup against Leshika, that could be an over. I think that's going to be a long match, but Struff has been in good form lately, and Jari's having a matchup against Delian. Historically, Delian's given him a bit of fits. I think Jari still won the majority of the matches, but they have been rather long. If Jari can overcome fatigue, I think you got to take a flyer on him because he has been really, really good, 
And at 14 to one, I like the value. And besides uh, the, of course, difficult top three in the quarter, you're looking at his pathway or even Stroop's pathway, because once again, they're facing off against each other relatively early. He has a matchup against Tommy Paul in the second round. Paul, not that great on clay. Also not that tall. So Jari should be able to hold. I think he'll actually beat Paul relatively comfortably in that second round match. Then he has a matchup against either Struff, Leshika, Giron, or uh, Majelkovic. Or, or Majedovic. Uh, so the point is, I think Jari's probably either against Struff or Leshika. And that's going to be an over. I think that's going to be a tough match. But Jari really is in good form. So I think 14 to 1 makes a lot of sense if you want to take a flyer for him. I think I'm going to actually stay away from Struff the more that I thought about it. Because the more that I think about it, Struff's going to have to beat him relatively early on and then get the murderer's row on the other end. I don't think Struff can do that. Now, I did find a 25 to 1 on Struff on BetMGM. That is more appealing. Now, BetMGM does have Jari at nine to one, and I found fourteen to one on Bet on uh, DraftKings. So I'll take the fourteen to one on Jari. Stroof at twenty-five to one. Maybe that'll be my like Yibbing long shot there for the quarter. Like Yibbing, I took last tournament just to make a run of twenty-five to one, and he actually won a couple rounds. Ended up beating Kechinato, then got injured and retired. But the point is, every now and then you throw a flyer out there and you hope it sticks. Stroof has proven that he can make a deep runs with his serve and volley tactics, or at least his aggressive serving and occasional volleying tactics. So I do think Jari's the better player, but you can argue you get a bunch of tiebreakers and maybe that turns into a coin flip. So you know what? I'll take a flyer there on Stroof as well. I tried to talk myself out of it, but then I found 25 to 1, and those odds are a little bit too much to pass up on. I will not take plus 2,000, and I would have been out entirely if this was an episode of Shark Tank, but at 25 to 1... That's probably worth it, so I'll take a shot there. But as for the actual favorites in this quarter, the question is, which one do I take? Now, Rude, I think it'd be a dark horse to win this entire event. The issue is, I don't trust his mental resolve this year, and it seems like he's been notably or noticeably frustrated pretty often in a lot of these matches, and we saw it against Rune, actually, in, in Rome, where Rude was up a set and a break, then he got broken, and mentally, he completely checked out. He just threw in the towel, and Rune buried him. And my concern with Rude is that in three out of five set matches, I know he's the defending runner-up, but mentally, he was in a much better state last year, and I do think that Rude, with his tendency to short-circuit at times, especially this year, I think I'm going to stay away from him. I just don't think there's much value on Rude at 3-1. to one. Fritz is interesting at 9-1. to one because he's got a very good serve, and he has been pretty good on clay so far this year. The question is, do I think it's realistic for Fritz to actually win the quarter? Probably not. Uh, he has a matchup against Momo in the first round, then probably Rinderknich or Gasquet should get through those. Then a matchup against Sarundolo, which is really tough. I know Sarundolo just lost to Phils, but I got to at least bring it up. Sarundolo is still a really good clay court player, and that is not a great match for Fritz. So that could be a bit tricky. Then he would face off against uh, Rune, and that's going to be a problem. So I think I'm going to stay away from Fritz. If you want to make a case for Rude solely based on his overall draw, I'll at least mention the draw for him. Matchup against Yemmer. Uh, that's E. Yemmer, not M. Yemmer. Then a matchup against either Bublik or Zepieri. So Rude should be able to get through that. Then either Lahovich or probably Dezanchulp. So Rude should get through that as well. Then a matchup against probably Jari. So I think Jari against Rude would be a hell of a matchup. But since Jari just beat Rude in basically Rude's backyard, because Rude was the two-time defending champion in that event and then lost to Jari. I think you're getting a good value on Jari at 14-1. to 1. I think Rune probably wins the quarter, if I'm being honest, because I do think he's the best clay player on here, and maybe I'll mention him again in the tournament outrights to win the whole thing. But I think Rune's going to win it, so I do think plus 140 is interesting. Now, I've mentioned cramping before being an issue, but assuming that there is no bad health, I think plus 140 is probably worth it on Rune, and I will take flyers on Jari at 14 to 1, and I will take a flyer on Stroof at 25 to 1. But that's going to wrap it up for the third quarter. And moving on to the fourth quarter, you have the Medvedev quarter, where he has a he has a center in his 
draw. He also has Zverev and team. So to go through the actual odds here, you have Medvedev at plus 185. You have Sinner at plus 225. You have Zverev at 6-1 to one, and Team at 14-1. to one. George is 16-1. to one. Tiafo is 20-1. to one, And Dimitrov is 22-1. to one. Uh, Diminor is 25 to 1. Echeverry is 28 to 1. Draper's 35 to 1. I'm going to cut it off there. So Medvedev is, of course, the common pick here because he just won a Masters 1000 event on clay and he does have a relatively easy quarter. Now, it's not insanely easy because Sinner can give him some problems, but Sinner, truth is, as a Sinner fan, I've really wanted more this year and I feel like he's had a moment here or there, but on clay, He's had a couple of moments to make some big splashes, and he really hasn't done so, and that's a bit concerning for me. But I feel like, for example, the tournament in Miami, I know it was a hardcore event, but that's kind of a perfect summary of what my complaint is about Sinner. He won the insane marathon match against Alcaraz, and it looked like he was going to be poised to win a tournament, and then Medvedev buried him the next day. Sinner, it feels like Sinner's always a guy who's going to finish somewhere in the quarters or semis, and then he's just going to lose, just simply put. I, I'm not sure if he's mentally ready or physically ready because he's had some ailments this year where he can actually go all the way. And I think as a result, Sinner at plus 225, it might sound a little bit harsh because I have been a Sinner guy. I found 250, but I'm going to pass. I think Sinner is a guy who can get you to the round of 16 or the quarters, and then something's going to go wrong. And I do think that until Sinner proves me wrong here, I'm not going to blindly pick him to make a dream run into the semis. Now, his path is decent as a matchup against Mueller, then probably either Husor or Altmaier, then probably Rusevori or Dimitrov, which isn't bad. But then he would have a matchup. Uh, sorry, just pulling it up. Uh, lost my place on the page. Uh, then he would have a matchup against probably Tiafo or Zverev. Zverev I'm skipping, by the way. Zverev I have no faith in, and... We saw that against Jari in Munich. Once again, he was favored going into the semis. And I basically said, you're out of your mind. And Zverev lost in straight sets. I want nothing to do with Zverev. He's been overvalued since he came back. And we have been all over fading him. And it's, or at least not backing him. And let's just say backers have had to sell their houses a couple of times. Because Zverev hasn't won anything. So I'm passing on Zverev. I know he was good here last year uh, before the injury. But I can't do it. Simply put, I cannot make a case for Zverev. Uh, I do think that plus 600 is on the cheaper side. And because of it, I'm going to stay away. Uh, but to go through the other guys here, you have team at 14 to 1. No chance in hell. Uh, these odds are stupid. If I'm going to roast Zverev for being underwhelming after injury, I got to roast team who hasn't won a damn thing in roughly two or three years. So no thank you to Zverev. No thank you to team. Chorich is fascinating because he did make a decent run there in the Masters 1000 event a couple of weeks ago. So Chorich has actually been in good form. Now, the question is three to five. Can he actually handle it? I'm not sure, but I'm going to mention his draw, and I think it's really not that bad. But Chorich taking on Coria in the first round, he's going to bury Coria. Coria hasn't played serious tennis in a while. He's had some injuries, barely played the clay circuit, even though he's good on clay. Then he would have a matchup against Team or Katchen. The truth is, the odds on team are so dumb. I'm not sure team's even going to beat Katchen, and then he would face off against Chorch in the second round. I think Chorch beats team, just simply put. I think Chorch is in better form. And then he would have a matchup against either Draper, Echeverry, or uh, Diminor. And I'm going to let Draper, Echeverry, and Diminor kill each other. But I think Chorch is worth a look here. I think that he's got a pretty decent draw. And if he can get through that little section, he'd have a matchup against Medvedev. I'm not saying he'd beat Medvedev, but I'm saying he'd keep it close. I think there's some value on Chorich, and I do think that 16 to 1 is quite appealing. I'm going to give a flyer out on Chorich there at 16 to 1. And I think the only other long shot I'm going to consider, Draper's interesting because at 35 to 1, I really like this form in Lyon, but then Sarundalo beat him, and I am a bit concerned about Draper's ability to stay fit. He's also had some injuries over the course of tournaments, so that kind of scares me off. Plus, the first-round match against Echeverry is a brutal matchup for both guys, so I'm going to stay away from that. But I am going to mention one guy that I've kind of roasted on the podcast that might be able to, quote-unquote, tickle my fancy for, an, for a long shot here. I don't mind either Tiafo or Karatsev, Tiafo, just to go through the odds here, is 22 to 1. 
And Karatsev is the serious super-duper long shot, which I have to bring up, because I do think you can make a case for Karatsev at around 50-1. to BetMGM has 25-1, to and DraftKings has 50-1. to That's got to be worth something. Now, I know he's going to face off against Papyrin and then Tiafo, so not the easiest two matches to start. But once again, and then you'd have to face off against Zverev, but 50-1? to He regained his form, I'll tell you that much. Like, Karatsev at 50-1 to is a pretty talented option. Now, I know he had to go through qualifying. He ended up going through qualifying with relative ease, didn't drop a set. I actually know. Did he drop a set? No. Did not drop a set. Had a couple of breakers against uh, Herbert. Uh, sure, a lot of people forgot that he was around, but ended up winning the last two matches comfortably. No tiebreakers, no anything. But he made a deep run to the Madrid semis before losing to Struff. But he ended up beating Medvedev in that cor- in that uh, run. Beat Diminor, who's once again in his quarter. I think there's some value at fifty to one. That's all I'm going to say. Is he going to make it there? Probably not. But fifty to one. I'll take a flyer. If one book has 25 to one and another book gives me double the odds, I'm taking double the odds. Double and give it to the next person. So give me Karatsev at plus 5,000 as my long shot. I thought about Tiafo at 20 to one, but I think I like Chorch more. So I think my picks for the actual quarter are going to be Medvedev, Chorich. I'll go through the odds one more time. Medvedev at plus 185, Chorich at plus 1,600. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm not going to take Tiafo. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Karatsev at plus 5,000. So once again, Medvedev plus uh, 185, Chorich at plus 1,600, and I'm going to go with Karatsev at plus 5,000. That's going to wrap it up for the actual quarter breakdowns. Now it's time for the uh, actual outrights again. We're going to go through the other guys since we already mentioned Alcaraz and Djokovic. But once again, if you want to make a case for Sinner and Zverev in the outrights to win the event, obviously I'm not on them because I don't have them winning the quarter. So that's kind of the trickle-down effect there that we're going to use to go through with the uh, outrights here. So once again, starting off with the favorites, Alcaraz and Djokovic, I have both Alcaraz and Djokovic to win their quarters, so I have them in the semis. They're against each other, though, which could get interesting. So one of them's going to lose. I think I'd rather take Alcaraz at plus 160 than Djokovic at plus 250 because Alcaraz's quarter is easier, and on top of that, Djokovic has not been in great physical form for the last month or two. So if I had to pick between the two of them, I would take Alcaraz. Not much meat on the bone there. Now, Rune's quarter, once again, isn't exactly the easiest, but I am picking him to win the quarter. But you're looking at Rude, Fritz, even Sarundalo or Jari, or maybe even Struff can give him a run. I didn't mention Baez. Baez has not been in great form lately, but he's been good on clay. And even Lahovich at like 35 to 1 can make it somewhat interesting. So Rune at 9 to 1. I think I'm out. And even though he's very, very good on clay, and even though he made the quarters last year, I do have some issues with the antics, not because I'm against it from just a tennis purist perspective, but he's constantly calling for medical timeouts. He's constantly punting sets. He's constantly yelling at his box. And I think mentally he has some lapses, which might hurt him in three out of five set matches, especially if you're against the likes of an Alcaraz or a Djokovic or any of those guys, or even just in your respective quarter, you're facing off against Rude. Maybe Rude gets revenge. Rude beat him last year in this event. Maybe you have a matchup against Sarundolo, and Sarundolo's forehand is on. The point is Rune, I think, is going to make a pretty good run to the fourth round of the quarters. But for the sake of winning this event, I have too many questions about the injuries, or at least that from what we've noticed in these long marathon matches, he seems to get dehydrated a lot, which is a bit of a concern. Saw that in Australia in his matchup against Rublev. I don't think I can go to the window with Rune at nine to one. If you got it early at like 14 to one or so, then good for you. But at nine to one, I cannot take this. Medvedev, I will take a 10 to one. I think that his half is pretty reasonable. And with Alcaraz and Djokovic being on the other side, I think there is some value on Medvedev. Now, the problem with that is that you missed out on a bunch of value because it was roughly 20 to 1 a week and a half ago. So that's a bit of a problem. But BetMGM has Medvedev at plus 650. So I guess based on that comparison, there is still, in theory, value on Medvedev at DraftKings. But it really, really hurts to miss out on 
a 20 to one shot and to immediately get basically half the odds right after it, which just sucks. So that's very unfortunate. But I do think based on the draw and based on current form and even just overall like mental toughness, Medvedev last year seemed to be complaining a lot. And every now and then he does kind of shush the crowd. For the most part, though, he's been pretty solid at keeping his nerve. And I think because of that, he is a pretty big threat to win this event. Now, you can get him, as I said before, to win the event at 10 to 1. I don't hate it. I'm trying to shop around quickly to see if I can find better odds. I would really love like a 12 to 1 or something a bit higher. But if I had to take 10 to 1, I'd probably take it. But I do think you can make an argument that Medvedev, once again, could be fool's gold because he is the public darling to make a run. Now, for the other guys, Sitsipas at 20 to 1, I'm not interested in. I might have considered making a push to maybe hedge if he got to the semis, but he's in Alcaraz's region, so that's a waste of time. Uh, Sinner, no. Rude, no. 18 to 1 on Rude, I don't hate for a price point, but once again, I don't trust his mental toughness, and that could be a bit of a problem. But I do think that Rude is going to potentially make some noise early in this event. People might want to convince themselves he can win the whole thing. And then something's going to go horribly wrong and he's going to end up losing. But I'm going to stay away from him as well. So once again, it's a little bit iffy trying to find some potential long shots to actually make a decent run here. Uh, But let me just quickly look to see if there's any better odds around for any of these guys. Uh, I see Rude at 22 to 1. On bet online, I don't mind that by comparison, obviously. So, if you want to talk about comparisons, Rude at twenty-two to one is not the end of the world. I think that's actually a decent price, but I'm not going to pick him. But I also notice that bet online does have odds on quarters, which kind of changes a lot. So, I want to quickly just go back a second and see if there's any value on anybody. And just for reference here, Alcaraz to win the quarter on bet online is minus 275. And once again, I found minus 175 on BetMGM. So I saved the full dollar just by shopping around. So I'm encouraging all of you to do the same. It takes 20 seconds, and you're definitely not going to regret doing it. But to look at some of the other guys that I was tempted by, Jar is a 12 to 1. No. Yeah, I don't really see much here in terms of serious value, but... Where is uh, Karat? Yeah, Karatsev's also 50 to 1. Yeah, so I don't see anything in terms of, uh, I'd say, value on bet online. But I briefly wanted to discuss that because that was another source for quarter bets. But either way, a time to actually get back into who I might be picking to make a decent run here. To win the event, I think it's tricky because I'm trying to visualize who I think can actually hold the trophy. And I really see, like, I'm going to include Djokovic in who I can visualize because I can see it. I just have some questions regarding it. I don't see Sinner doing it. I don't see Rude doing it. Rune's interesting. I could see Rune doing it, but I'm not going to pick him based on overall uh, potential stamina concerns, some cramping, and once again, some mental stuff where he will punt some service games and he just loses focus, and I think that could kill him in this tournament. Tsitsipas, no. Zverev, no. Rublev, no. Fritz, no. Dimitrov, no. I'm, I'm already in the 100-1 to 1 range. So you see my point. People are going to think it's a relatively open event, but I was kind of setting everybody up here in this podcast. I don't see it being that way. I kind of seeing it looking like the event that we saw a couple of weeks ago in Madrid, where you have Alcaraz, who's one of the main favorites. He makes it to the final, and then you have a random guy who he's going to face off against in the final, and then you have Alcaraz or Djokovic as a massive favorite against maybe you know somebody who nobody was expecting. For the sake of this argument and for the sake of our futures, let's say... Chorich. Let's say Chorich makes a good run out of the fourth quarter, and you end up seeing Alcaraz against Chorich in a final. Something insane, something like that, where you have a long shot against the massive favorite. The long shot's going to get his ass kicked. So I think when you're talking about who I think can actually win this event, it's really not as open as you think. And I do think that's why it was important to go through the quarters first, because you might be tempted by Rublev at plus 4,000, but I don't have him win the quarter, so I can't make a case for him. But Alcaraz, I think, is probably going to make it to the final. I think he's probably going to win, but there's not great value on it. Djokovic at 250. Once again, I think he'll lose to Alcaraz in a head-to-head matchup, but his quarter is favorable too. Medvedev, I do like a 10-1. to 
So Medvedev, I am going to give out. I do think there is some value, or at least I think it's a good price for a guy that's playing some very good tennis, especially on clay. So I'll take Medvedev at 10 to 1, who also has a pretty decent quarter. Uh, George is in his quarter, so it could get dicey. But once again, Medvedev, I think based on current form, I have to at least take the current four-digit price at Med- uh, for Medvedev. Besides that, though... I really don't see much. It's a bit of a problem. I really don't see many guys who I think can realistically win. Kashanov at at plus 13,000, if you think he makes a semi and you hedge, then maybe that's worth something. But once again, we're in unchartered, holy crap, that would be crazy if that happened type of of territory. I don't see it. Maybe it's because I'm so programmed to thinking that men's tournaments go relatively chalky because we saw the big three basically own every Grand Slam event for about a decade and a half. But I think for the sake of my picks for this event, I really don't have many many outright winners here because I don't see much value. I'd rather bet the quarters. But Alcaraz at plus 160, I think Alcaraz wins the event if you want to know who I think is going to win. So I guess plus 160 but I hate the odds, so I don't know if I really want to bet it. I found 170 on Bet Online, which is better, but still not great. You get my point. I don't see many odds or many guys I want to actually go to the window with with a future ticket to win the entire event. I think I'd rather take the quarters and see what happens. But for the sake of who I'm picking, I'll pick Alcaraz. I'll go with Medvedev, and that'll be my projected final for the event. Gonna be Alcaraz beating Medvedev in the final. But other than that, though, I will throw out a small potential flyer there on. I, I saw that some people were talking about Jari. I, I, uh, I can't do it with Jari, at least to win the event. I'd rather take him to win the quarter. But once again, it was a tournament that seemed very, very promising when you clicked on the podcast and you were hoping I'd give you a bunch of long shots and tell you, oh, yeah, Jari, like 350 to one. He's a lock to make this. Like, no, I, I think it's going to be Alcaraz winning the event. So that's kind of where I stand. But I am going to also mention Medvedev, and I will mention a flyer on the quarter. Once again, the quarter plays are my long shot. So I like Chorich and I like uh, Jar. You got my point. But for the sake of winning the event, I'm kind of talking in circles. I don't have many great long shots for you. Apologies, but I think Kashanov at 130 to 1 would be my long shot I'd have to throw in there if I really wanted to throw in a long shot. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up for the actual French Open preview and outrights. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks for the first round. But before you do that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. Have you signed up yet for EdgeBoost? If not, you are missing out. EdgeBoost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Similar to buy now, pay later programs, EdgeBoost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That's right, 0% interest. Simply deposit funds into your account and EdgeBoost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances. Up to $2,500 you can add to your bankroll. And on top of that, go to SportsCampPodcast slash edge to sign up today at sportscampodcast.com slash edge must be 21 or older to use only valid in legal gambling states problem gambling call 1-800-GAMBLER we're also brought to you by Shady Rays Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May not only do you get an, an amazing 50% off deal, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized sunglasses and customizable snow goggles and much more. Shady Rays has durable frames and extreme clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. They also have the most insane protection and in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays of Confidence because they have your back long after purchase. And if you don't love them, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And for our international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of Polar sunglasses. Then take your receipt to SportsCampPodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the French Open while giving some outrights on the quarters and for the overall tournament winner. Now it's time to get through the actual lock and dog picks for the first round of the French Open. And for the lock, we're going to do something we don't do that often. We're going to do a two-pick parlay, and we're going to actually take two massive favorites. And we're going to parlay those two favorites to each not drop a set. We're going to take Rune to win 3 nothing in his match against Eubanks. We're going to take Djokovic to win 3 nothing in his match against Kovacevic. And those two pay out at minus 114 on the parlay. Individually, Rune is minus 255 on DraftKings, and Djokovic is minus 285. And you parlay those together, it is minus 114. And I'm going to take that as my lock. Simply put, I'm going to feed two Americans that are really bad on clay. Eubanks has really no success on clay in his entire career. And Kovacevic has been... God-awful. I'll go through the numbers on clay for both guys. Kovacevic is insanely bad, but either way, to start off with the Rune match, uh, Rune is one of the best clay players in the world, and I mentioned some issues long-term with his stamina and cramping. Shouldn't be in, shouldn't really be a, a factor in the first couple of rounds, and he made the quarters last year, so I know he's capable of doing it. But you're looking at Eubank so far this year. He's only played two clay matches. They were within the last week. He beat Benoit Pair who was a head case, and then he ended up losing comfortably to Zverev. And I know that Rune is a great returner. Eubanks is really a one-trick pony. He's a big server, big forehand guy, but his game translates really, really poorly to clay. Hits a bunch of, a bunch of unforced errors, not the greatest in court coverage, and the backhand's not great either. It's like a half one-hander. But I do think that you're going to see Rune beat him comfortably. Maybe a breaker, which is going to be a bit sweaty, but I do think Rune kind of buries him here. I think every set probably finishes around 6-3, so give me Rune to win that one in straight sets. I mean, he's basically like minus 5,000 on the money line, so I'll take him to win comfortably. And we're going to take Djokovic. Uh, He's roughly minus 8,000 on the money line, and he has reached the quarterfinals, as I said before, in each of the last 13 French Opens. Kovacevic this year, though, is 0-6 straight up on clay. Basically, all against challenger-level players. He is 6-12 and 12 straight up on clay in his career. And Djokovic has the odds of minus 285 on DraftKings to win 3-0. FanDuel has minus 410. BetMGM had minus 450. So you're saving roughly $1.30 by shopping around. So DraftKings is an absolute bargain. You can straight bet the Djokovic one if you want to, because once again, there is some value at minus 285 when every other book has somewhere north of minus 400. But the point is Djokovic... Even though he has not been in great form recently with the injury, it is round one, so I assume that the injury would impact him later on. He has not played in roughly a week and a half, so he should be able to really, I'd say, limit the effects of the potentially compromised arm early on. And I do think Kovacevic is just not a good clay court player at all. So I think Djokovic buries him. You might see a 6 nothing set here. But Kovacevic, not a great server, and he's not a great rallier on clay either. So I think he's up against it. Give me Djokovic to win 3 nothing and Rune to win 3 nothing. That two-pick parlay is at minus 114 on DraftKings. And moving on to the dog, we're going to go with a guy that we mentioned earlier potentially being fade material, and we are going to fade him entirely. Now... I will admit, I think we're going to divide up this dog into two parts. It's going to be the same match, but we're going to go with two separate options. Now, I do want the money line because I want to make sure that if this player does retire, we still get the win. But I'm going to look at the Felix match against Fognini. I'm taking Fognini. I think that there's a lot of value here. And we're going to go with Fognini to win the first set at plus 165 for about half a unit. And we're going to take Fognini for half a unit to win the entire match at plus 272. So a couple reasons why I'm going to take Fognini to actually get the job done and look comfortable in this match. First reason, Felix battling injury. We saw him retire in Lyon. He addressed the crowd. He said he had some pain in his shoulder, and I don't expect that pain to go away in about three days. So the point is, I do think that Felix is well below 100%. He didn't even look that great in the first match that he won. And I do think Fognini has looked... Pretty good lately. Now, the issue with Fagnini is his stamina over the course of a long event, which is why we're not picking him to make a deep run. We're only picking him to win one match. But I do think it is quite feasible for Felix, who has struggled this year, to maybe get behind early. Maybe he retires if he's down early. So once again, read your house rules. Make sure retirements count as wins because you'd want Fagnini to potentially get the W if Felix cannot continue over the course of this overall match, but you're looking at the the recent performances here. 
He hasn't been that bad. Lost to Rune in straight sets, so no shame in that. Beat Kekmanovic in straight sets. Beat Murray in three. Murray was right off of a challenger uh, win on clay. Not the same thing, you know, compared to ATP winning titles, but the point is Fagnini has looked pretty good lately, and he is fit, which is the most important part for now. That's kind of the issue with the money line on both guys, because you could. there's a world where either guy gets hurt in this match and retires, but I'll gamble with it, and I'll go with the plus 272. But Felix, once again, has not been that good. Even last year, he lost the first two sets to Varias, and then he ended up coming back to win in five. So he has really not looked that good out of the gates, and that's why I'm looking at the first set. And I'm going to go through Felix's recent first sets. It's not good. So he beat Yamos Ruiz, who ended up being the uh, qualifier we backed to win 2 nothing in the first round. But that was 7-5, so that was relatively close. Lost the first set to Papyron. Lost the first set to Lahovich. Lost the first set to Sarundolo. So Felix has actually lost the first set in three of his last four matches. So he's not in great form, and he tends to be a bit of a slow starter. Bagnini, though, even in matches that he's lost recently... He's actually been a fast starter. To look at his recent matches, lost to Rune, okay, beat Kekmanovic in the first set, beat Murray in the first set, beat Kecinato in the first set, despite losing the match, beat Giannessi in the first set. I'm just going to keep going backwards here. Uh, yeah, so the point is, Fagnini has had some success in the first sets, and Felix with the bad shoulder, I think, is a bit overpriced. So give me Fagnini, first set, Money line at plus 165 and give me Fagnini money line in the whole match at plus 275. That's me dividing up the dog into two parts. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on the two-pick parlay. Djokovic to win in straight sets and Rune to win in straight sets, and that pays out a minus 114. And my dog for the show is going to be a two-parter. Going to take Fagnini to win the first set at plus 165, and I'm going to take Fognini to win the match at plus 272. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Now, a brief announcement for the actual schedule. We will be doing the Australian Open-style format. We will be doing one episode for every round. So there will be an episode for the first round, the second round, then we're going to do one for the third round, round of 16 to get the point. So you will be seeing a lot of tennis episodes over the next week and change. So get excited, strap in, looking forward to this event, as I'm sure we all are. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.